uh, like Pastor Wayne said, uh, we're going to have a somewhat of an illustrated sermon this morning. I've entitled the message, God's Standard, or Standards. Yeah. Should be plural, but that's okay. I have um, one of my fellow carpenters was kind enough to loan me these. These are standards. This is uh, a book. It's the Code of Federal Regulations, Section 1926, 454. This is scaffolding regulations. In addition to that, not only do we have one book just on scaffolding regulations, we have four other books on different types of scaffolding. There's frame scaffolding, system scaffolding, tube and clamp scaffolding, and scaffolding introduction. Does anybody know the main purpose of civil engineering? The main purpose, since no one responded, the main purpose of civil engineering and all of these regulations and standards is safety. Safety first. Be safe. Now we have OSHA regulations, the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1974, I think it was. Do you know the more people, more workers die in the United States in the construction and mining and manufacturing industry by accident than soldiers get killed at war in the United States every year, every week? It, even with these regulations and rules that people are supposed to follow, lots of people lose their lives. Next, Exhibit B or C. This is called ADOT Standard Drawings, Arizona Department of Transportation. Inside, first you'll find a whole list of all types of drawings. Inside you'll have everything from pictures on how to build stuff, what to put in there. They even have regulations on highways. This is mainly highways. Let's see where I saw a picture in here. I, I just was amazed. They have actually regulations on how to plant saguaro cactuses <laughs> in here on a roadway. They have regulations in here on how big the signs have to be, how big the letters have to be on the signs, and how far away you have to space them for safety. Yet many people lose their lives driving like crazy people. They think that the speed limit is just a suggestion. It's a law. You'll get a ticket if you get caught speeding. Years ago, uh, I believe it's State Route 83, has a, a, an overpass that goes through a mountain and on the way to um, Sonoida. And anyway, there's a bird watching area there. So the ADOT, Department of Transportation Engineers, there was lots of accidents there. They figured, you know what? We're going to have to redo the road. However, the bird watching people got all upset because it was going to disturb the birds. So. And matter of fact, one job I worked on, we had to be done on this certain bridge up in Mammoth, Arizona, or uh, past Mammoth, and uh, because certain species of birds came through that 
area at a certain time of the year, and I was amazed that birds know how to read a calendar. So, so we had to be done before the birds got there. Here's another one. This is road and bridge construction standard specifications. They have all kinds of rules and regulations in here. There's another book I have that has charts and drawings and dimensions. Somebody took the time to figure out how much stress these structures can uh, you know, withstand and still be safe. To get back to the bird watching area on State Route 83, the Arizona Department of Transportation said, okay, we'll change our, 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 our thinking here. We're not going to destroy the bird habitat. And all they did to make it safer in that pass that goes through the mountain was lower the speed limit. So, ah, what a marvelous idea. These guys are smart. Because I was reading a newspaper and it said that the Department of Transportation spokesperson said, we know that people drive five to 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. So we just lowered the speed limit a little bit and that way made it safer. <laughs> that makes it so easy. <laughs> when they design a bridge or any concrete structure, they have to take into account what's called the dead load and the live load. The dead load is the weight of the actual structure. The live load is uh, what would be on top of the bridge or structure. For example, um, the uh, railroad bridge at Orange Grove Road was designed, uh, they were told, uh, they told me uh, five to seven years before they actually started construction. So they start building the bridge <coughs> and they had to stop because Within seven years' time that had passed, the railroad had actually raised the railroad bed. <laughs> I think they said 10 inches. <laughs> so they had to figure out, oh, man, we got the bridge almost done. What are we going to do? We, they can't just pick the whole bridge up and lift it up. Fortunately, they over-engineered it so that it would be strong enough that they could just, I believe it was, they, it was 10 inches. They told me they just added 10 inches of uh, ballast rocks on top and then had the railroad go across it. Nice and easy. Uh, and it's all because someone did the math. <laughs> Back in uh, 1985, I believe it was, or 86, my first construction job, there was a big earthquake in Mexico City. And the, uh, some people from the American Concrete Institute went down to Mexico City to see which buildings and structures failed. And what they actually did is they measured the distance between the reinforcing bars and they made recommendations. After the um, earthquake in 1994, I believe it was, the Northridge earthquake in California, the uh, Department of Transportation there decided, the engineers figured out, we need to make these structures stronger. So they added more reinforcement. And then uh, I noticed that some of these things get revised. There's even standards for guides for traffic controls for street and highway construction, maintenance, utility, and incident management operations for the Department of Transportation. All these specifications and standards, rules and regulations, are mainly to keep people safe. And if everyone would follow the rules, <laughs> there would probably be less accidents. Amen? Praise God. 
So with that, let's dive into the Word of God. God has standards. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. God's standard. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. The whole thing. There's just a few. It's a short, uh, I was going to say poem. It's a short <laughs> psalm. It's actually kind of a poem. But in any event, it starts out saying, and I'll read up there because uh, that way I can see what I'm reading here without turning around. Who may abide in your tabernacle? Now, the tabernacle represents God's presence. Who has the authority, the right, or the privilege? Everybody should be familiar with the Declaration of Independence. We just had uh, July 4th, uh, beginning of this month, and uh, the Declaration of the Pre Independence preamble. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that our Creator has endued us with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice it doesn't say the guarantee of happiness. A lot of people think, no, it's supposed to be guaranteed. I can do whatever I want. They think that liberty means you can do whatever you want. But that's not liberty. That's something called licentiousness. Liberty, responsibility, or freedom entails responsibility. I had a homeless guy hanging out in my alley, and I told him, you can't hang out there. He says, last I heard, it was a free country. Well, I told him, well, that's a daycare that you're leaning up against the fence, and they'll call the cops on you. Well, okay, I'm going. Just because we live in a, what's known as a, or called a free country doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. That's uh, probably, in my opinion, the reason why you have all of this nonsense being promoted. Because people think, well, I'm pursuing, you know, love is love. Well, really, if you know what real love is, real love is that Jesus laid down his life for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we can be given the power to repent. Amen? Amen. Who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? God is holy, amen? And you just can't approach God any old way you want. God has set a standard. Whoever walks uprightly and works righteousness, not our own righteousnesses, because if you're a student of the Bible, you know in Isaiah it says, our righteousness are filthy rags before God. Our righteousness is not good enough. Our righteousness fall short. God has supplied righteousness to us. They speak the truth in their heart. My dad, when I left home, he told me, you know, I want to give you some advice. Be honest with yourself. I said, okay, dad, that's a good idea. Because we're the easiest people to deceive ourselves. Self-deception is is unfortunate uh, part of human nature. Be honest with yourself. Speak the truth in your heart. You don't backbite with your tongue. <laughs> what does James say? The tongue is an unruly evil. Who may bridle it? If you can control your tongue, you control your whole self. Does no evil to his neighbor? Does not take up a reproach against his friend? How many know it's easy to talk about people? Oh, well, I care about them. That's why I'm talking about them. Why don't you talk to them? 
instead of talking about them. Amen? We shouldn't be doing that. <coughs> anyway, and in whose eyes, this is the person that God looks on with favor, is a person, a vile person, is despised by the one that God honors. God honors those who fear the Lord, and so, do, and so should we. Amen? We should honor those who fear the Lord. Uh, just in case you don't know, uh, election season's coming up. So we should vote for those who honor the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change, promises to pay a loan back and pays it, even if it's difficult to do so. This is someone, this is God's standard. God is pleased, or God likes to see people who say or do what they say they're going to do. Hallelujah. And then a person does not send out their, put out their, loan out their money at usury. I got my, one of my uh, statements from my, one of my credit cards, and uh, it's at 0% interest right now, and it will be paid off shortly at 0% interest. But if I don't pay it off, it goes up to 30% interest. That's <laughs> 30%? Oh, I wish I could make that kind of money on my savings account. That'd be great. <laughs> well, guess what? Once this is zeroed out, <laughs> I'm going to cut this one up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I read uh, just recently, I was looking through some old papers, and I found some interesting thing. I did not know this. I knew that um, back in the 1970s, mortgage rates were uh, like 17 to 18% for a mortgage. But did you know that inflation was 12% in 1979, and uh, I think it was 11% in <laughs> 1980. And people are complaining about 3% and 5 and 6% interest or uh, inflation now. Praise God. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, the person who may abide in God's holy hill does not take a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be moved. I read a story uh, recently about a famous old baseball coach. And he went to this conference and he's going to give a speech. And he comes out with a, a home plate stuck around, his, hanging around his neck. And he says, you <laughs> the story goes, he's asked everybody, you're probably wondering why I'm holding this, wearing this home plate. He says, the reason is because, he asked the question, what size, how wide is home plate in uh, Little League? 17 inches. How wide is home plate in the minor leagues? 17 inches. How much is it in the big leagues? 17 inches. It does not change. We don't say to the pitcher, man, you can't get it over that 17-inch plate. We'll make it a little bit bigger for you. We'll give everyone a trophy. <laughs> it doesn't change. Neither does God's standard. Amen? Amen. The definition of a standard is any established measure of quantity, quality, or value. In those ADOT standards, they specify the size of the rebars and the, the type of concrete that's supposed to go in there. Concrete by itself is strong, but if it moves too much, it'll fracture, crumble, and break. 
The steel by itself is strong, but if it moves too much, it'll bend and stay bent. But when you have concrete with rebar inside of it, it's flexible. If you don't believe me, go to the Tucson Mall and stand upstairs on the second floor, and when a big heavy person comes walking by, you'll feel the floor shake. It's flexible. Praise God. Hallelujah. With that, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 15 and 16. He who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. This is a direct quote from Leviticus chapter 11 verses 44 and 45, chapter 19 verse 2 and chapter 20 verse 7. And it literally means to set yourselves apart for the Lord. The opposite of being holy is to be impure or detestable or abominable. When there are no standards, we find uh, that life goes on like in Judges chapter 17, verse 16. Verse 6, excuse me, and there, in those days there was no king in Israel, no ruler who set the standards, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's called anarchy. Somebody told me one time, my religion is anarchy. I said, anarchy is not a religion, it's a stupid idea. <laughs> my religion. Anarchy? You're nuts. Anarchy is when everybody does what is right in their own eyes. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8, God speaks to the people through Moses and says, you shall not do what is right in your own eyes. That's the problem with the, the United States today is that people are making up their own rules and doing what's right in their own eyes. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and chapter 16, verse 25. God says it twice, so it means you should pay attention. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to people. Oh, I can make up my own truth. I can do what's right in my own eyes. Unfortunately, that's the way of death. Someone gave the illustration of uh, why we evangelize and why we preach and why we try to tell people about Jesus. And it's like this. A friend of yours comes over to your house and uh, uh, you have to go out in the backyard for something and you go out, there's a snake. And you know, it's a poisonous snake, so you go back in the house. And then your friend is uh, wondering where you went, so I went out in the backyard. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to go out in the backyard. And if you don't tell that person about the snake, that, that person could get bit and killed by that snake. I had two big rattlesnakes in my yard one time. I had somebody come and get them. And he looked in the bucket and he told me, he says, each of those snakes has enough venom to kill a horse. I said, really? He says, fortunately, the, a mature rattlesnake knows how to control how much venom. They can give you a dry bite to warn you, which is good news. If you ever get bit by a rattlesnake, hopefully it's a dry bite. <laughs> Praise God. But why would you not tell your friend there's a poisonous snake in the yard? There's a devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Amen? And we should be telling them. That's why we tell people about Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. 
In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, When there uh, is no vision or revelation from God, the people perish or cast off restraint. Anything goes. They can do whatever they want. We have liberty in this country. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, there's consequences. Amen? In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. They took the Bible out of school, and you can see the results. Or they make fun of the Bible and Bible-believing people at school. In Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 12, it's God speaks to the prophet Amos and predicts that there will come a famine of the word. Hallelujah. Thank God that we haven't reached that point in time yet. Amen. Praise God. Be holy. I am holy. God sets the standard for what holiness is. Hallelujah. Secondly, I want to focus a little bit on that last part of this next verse. A standard is any type or model or example for comparison, a means of excellence. Hallelujah. So we look at, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Is it up there? Yes, it's over there. It's not on that screen. Okay. Uh, I digress. Sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Look at the end of this. Whoops. <laughs> the gospel of the glory of Christ. Christ is the image or the model of God. That Jesus is God come in the flesh. Think about this. Over in Jerusalem, Jesus actually walked and talked in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Galilee. He really was there. And he was the model of the perfect man. Napoleon Bonaparte, before he uh, went crazy and tried to conquer the world, he... Uh, is quoted as saying that he studied the leaders that motivated men to go to war and conquer. And he said, there is no leader that can compare to Jesus Christ. He's the most unique leader that has ever lived. Here's a man who, he raised an army of over 400,000 soldiers to go invade Russia. Apparently, he didn't think about it very well because he went in the middle of winter and about 300,000 of them or more froze to death. Did you know that more people die freezing to death around the world than heat-related climate change problems, flooding and all that? <laughs> Almost his whole army froze to death. He was able to motivate that many, and he was so amazed because Jesus has been able to motivate an army far greater than Napoleon Bonaparte's army. Amen? And you and I are a part of that army. And Jesus is the image or the example or the established measure, the perfect man, that we should strive to follow his example, to love our enemies. Anybody have a hard time loving anybody? The people that irritate you and get under your skin? <laughs> don't, you don't have to say amen, you can just say ouch. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. So, for those people, we need God's help to love them. Hallelujah. Because Jesus sets the standard. He gave, there was, uh, 
uh, I think it was David Wilkerson was quoted. Somebody in Teen Challenge asked this young man who had gotten addicted to drugs, how did you get addicted to drugs? Oh, he says, a friend of mine gave me some. He says, wait a minute. <laughs> that wasn't a friend. A friend will lay down their life for you. A friend won't give you stuff to try and kill you. That wasn't one of your friends. That was just somebody you knew. Hallelujah. Jesus is our example. Let's go on. Did it work? Nope. There we go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. A standard, hallelujah, is something or someone that has the accuracy or authority of a standard. A recognized authority or someone who uh, um, not obtains, has obtained, or um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Give me a second. <laughs> they have the recognized authority. And this is Jesus. Jesus is just flat out telling everybody that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. However, we can look around and see that we know that a lot of people in this world are not submitted to the authority of Jesus. But the kingdom of darkness is, and he has given that authority to us. Another definition of a standard is a flag or a banner having a distinctive emblem of a government or a group or a cause. We have a cause and we belong to a group and we have an emblem on our flag, so to speak. During the Civil War, I've been reading a, a book about the Battle of Chancellorsville. They didn't have radio communication those days. They had telegraph. And if the telegraph wires weren't just right, the message wouldn't get through. And so the Union Army came around uh, to the northeast of Chancellorville, and the Confederates swung around the other way because the Union Army, they sent a telegraph for the, the reinforcements to come from the, the east and get to a certain location at a certain time, but they didn't get the message until like a day later. And they were already supposed to be where they were supposed to be by the time they got the telegraph. And so they get out, and they, they, during that war, at many times, in order to get the troops to be where they were supposed to be, they had a guy who would hold up the flag with their emblem. And I'm trying, as I'm reading this book, I'm trying to figure out who is who and where are they from and how many different uh, groups they had. It's like, wow, how did you coordinate all of this thing? Anyway, long story short, uh, I haven't got to the end of the book, but I think the, uh, the Union soldiers uh, got defeated because of a lack of communication, because they didn't get the standards right. They didn't, weren't at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God that Jesus is at the right place at the right time. Praise God. Holiness. We could call it sacredness. 
The opposite of sacredness or holiness is sacrilegiousness, where people uh, despise the things of God, things that should be considered holy. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, His banner over me was love. Hallelujah. In Numbers, chapter 2, I believe it is, they numbered the armies of Israel and they camped by the standard of the, or the flag of their father's house. And in order to get them to move, they would do like they did in the Civil War. They'd follow the flag. God, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, it says, God chastens us for our profit that we may become partakers of his holiness. And uh, according to Dake's commentary, this is talking about not human standards of outward appearance. Like the Pharisees, uh, Jesus condemned them because they loved to stand on the street corners and pray so that everyone could see them. And they loved greetings in the marketplace. Oh, Rabbi, nice to see you. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad you recognized me. And they had the appearance of holiness, but not the genuine article. Vine's commentary on the on uh, or Vine's expository dictionary of Greek New Testament words <laughs> says that holiness is a matter of character. Christ's character was perfect. Ours should be growing. We should be making progress in the kingdom of heaven. Can you say Amen? First Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen. It says these words, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory or God's nature of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just before that, Paul's writing, he says, you know the Jewish people, when they read the Old Testament, their hearts or their minds are veiled. They don't, they, they can't comprehend like Isaiah chapter 53 is such a conundrum for some Jewish people. I remember uh, one time I was talking to a young man. He says, well, I'm Jewish. I said, well, Jesus was Jewish. And it was like a shock to him. He said, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> I mean, it must have been a revelation to him. Jesus was Jewish. He wasn't a white guy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> There's so many people that, that I Seen, I was talking to a white supremacist guy one time. I could tell because of his T-shirt. I made a comment about the T-shirt, and, and then uh, uh, I should have told him right then and there. I said, you do realize that Jesus was Jewish, you know? He wasn't white. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is being recorded, so you supremacists out there, take heed. Jesus is not white, and he was Jewish. Praise God. Let's go on. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love. And I say all this in love. <laughs> that your hearts in love one to another and to everyone so that God himself may establish your hearts blameless in holiness until Jesus returns. 
Mr. Vine's commentary, he expounds on this, and he says these, he says it could be paraphrased, may the Lord enable you more and more to spend your lives in the interests of others in order that he may establish you in Christian character now. God has called us to live this life, live in this world, and exemplify Christian character in kindness, in the fruits of the Spirit, love, gentleness, peace, joy, and all the rest of them. I don't have them memorized, I'm sorry. But in Christian character, now that we should be growing so that we may be found innocent from every charge that might possibly be brought against us at the judgment seat of Christ. When we live for God, we will be subject to criticism of others. Amen? People will be watching. Oh, some Christian you are. But we should be striving. We should be trying the best we can to exemplify the character of Jesus. The way the veil is taken away. So, let me point out, as you probably all know, one of the ways to get that Christian character is to have the mind of God. And one of the ways to get the mind of God is to read the Word of God. Amen? Amen. It's pretty simple. Praise God. All right, let's go on. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. Another definition of a standard, which we already actually said, was a banner or a flag having the emblem of a government or a group or a cause. Now this is very interesting to me because look what it says here. They shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun or from the east. How many know <clears throat> or think about this? Modern civilization is split between Eastern civilization and Western civilization. When I was in college, we had to take a, a class on, the, uh, on Western civilization, the rise of Western civilization. How many know they think differently in some parts of the world than they do here in the United States and even in Europe? Someone uh, posted on Facebook the other day that uh, eventually um, uh, the Muslims are going to take over Great Britain. Good luck with that. That's their goal, actually, is to take over the whole world. Do everybody know that? That's our goal, too, as Christians, is to take over the whole world, but not by force. By love, by God's love being spread abroad in our hearts. Hallelujah. So, they shall fear the name of the Lord Jesus from the Western civilization to the Eastern civilization. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Some commentators say that we should take this little mark here and put it over here and read it when the enemy comes in. Like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Guess what that standard is? Number one, it's Jesus. Number two, it's you and I. And what's really interesting to me 
is this word standard, it literally means to cause to flee. So when Jesus' name is lifted up, the kingdom of darkness has to flee. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Your children shall speak with the enemy at the gates. The gates in those days was where you came to get advice, where you came to have uh, your, your court documents taken care of and your case heard and victory won. And it talks about the strategy. The strategy of the enemy shall not prevail. Your children shall contend with the enemy at the gate. When our kids go to college, they should be able to, and even in school, they should be able to say what they believe. And you have the right to say that in school. You have the right to wear a t-shirt that says, I believe that there's only male and female. Amen? Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord shall lift up a banner against him. Hallelujah. Does that mean he's not going to fight back? No, it doesn't. It means the enemy is going to try to fight back. But beware, enemy. The blood of Jesus is against the kingdom of darkness. The power of the resurrection is against the kingdom of darkness. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is talking also about the standard, the banner that causes the enemy to flee. When you're in conversation with somebody trying to tell them about Jesus, you can talk to them about God all day long. But when you mention the name of Jesus, something changes in the atmosphere. And people will either become curious or want to know more, or they'll put up the wall. And I know if you've ever witnessed to somebody, you can see them put up the wall. <laughs> That's it. Jesus, nope, sorry. But sometimes that wall doesn't come up. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. In, Jerem in, <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 22, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standards for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and uh, you can read that in Numbers chapter 21, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Did you notice John chapter 3, verse, we every, everyone knows John 3, 16, but do you know John 3, 14 and 15, where Jesus predicts how he's going to pay for the sins of the whole world, that he's going to be crucified. In Moses' day, nobody knew about crucifixion. I believe it was something the Romans invented. <laughs> Those guys were quite a lot. <laughs> the Roman Empire, at the height of the Roman Empire, there was over 80 million slaves. 80 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Somebody told me one time, I, I told them, I said, you know, I read that uh, uh, General Robert E. Lee of the Confederate Army and uh, several of the other generals were born-again Christians. And this <laughs> the guy looked at me and said, what? 
They couldn't be. They fought for slavery. <laughs> oh, really? How do you know? Well, does that make you a Christian or not a Christian? 80 million slaves at the height of the Roman Empire. And it was no big deal for them to crucify somebody. Oh, it's just a piece of meat. Bang, we'll write some nails in them and hang them up there to die. They're pretty cruel rules they had. But Jesus told and predicted and in, in uh, Numbers chapter 21, people got bit by snakes and Moses pleads with God for them. And God answers his prayer. I mean, I know it's a good thing to plead to God for people. Man, we should be praying for our unsaved loved ones. We should be praying for souls. Amen? And Moses pleads with God, and God says, Okay, make a snake out of brass. Stick it on a pole and tell everybody to look at it, and they'll live. Okay. <laughs> and people believe it. And Jesus, he says, just like that snake, I'm going to be lifted up. And whoever looks at me and believes will be healed, will be saved. And Isaiah says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. And John chapter 12, verse 32, it is, Jesus says, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. In John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus tells them, he says, When you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He. And this is the Greek phrase that we looked at when we went through the Gospel of John when they came to arrest Jesus and He said, I, they said, who are you looking for? And he said, they asked Him, Jesus of Nazareth. And He says, I am He. This is the Greek phrase, ego eomai, which literally means Jesus is telling them, I am God. And so John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus says, When you lift up the Son of Man, and by the way, that's how we know that Jesus is uh, saying that he's God is because everyone who has ever read the, the book of the prophet Daniel, they know who the Son of Man is. It's God in the flesh. It's God coming and has come already. You will know that I am God. Isn't that amazing? Just because Jesus was crucified, lifted up, that's how we know that he was God because it was predicted that this would happen. Not only did he die, he rose again from the dead. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen. So the bad news is no one can measure up to God's standards. The good news is Jesus paid the price for us. Amen. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And that standard is Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge you this morning, and I'm preaching to myself also. I want to challenge you this morning. Read your Bible more and more and more. And believe it. It says that uh, in Hebrews, it says that the, the word preached did not profit the Jewish people the Hebrews, because they didn't mix it with faith. There's people who say, and I hope to God that more kids will get uh, uh, riled up in school and start a Bible study in their schools. Amen? They took the Bible out of school. My wife uh, took a, a class at Pima College on the Bible, and the <laughs> I love this. The instructor told them, that's what it says. 
That's what it means. And if you don't like it, tough. <laughs> That's what it says. That's what it means. And if you don't like it, tough. Can't change it. You can try and manipulate it, but <laughs> that's what it says, that's what it means, and if you don't like it, tough. So praise God. Read your word. I want to challenge you. Make time. As much as you can, read it and believe it. Amen. Hallelujah.